If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the, towards the back of your New Testament? There's a real small book. If you're not looking for it, you'll skip over it. It's the book of Philemon. Uh, it's, uh, I noticed that in the New Testament, all those T are together, Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians. Right after it is Philemon. And if you hit Hebrews, you've gone too far, so back up. It's just a one-pager. We're going to look at the book of Philemon. I'm going to give you a background of this particular book. In this particular book, there's a pastor of this church, and his name is Philemon. He is one of the elders, the teaching elders at this particular local church. And if you remember, the Apostle Paul was given the responsibility for planting church all throughout Asia Minor, and that's where Colossae is located. And um, one of the ordained elders is here, a man named Philemon. Well, it turns out Philemon is a, I'm suspecting, this is all conjecture, that he's fairly well off because the church actually meets in his home. So he has a home big enough to house the church at Colossae, and he's one of the ruling elders. And he also had a slave, a servant, named Onesimus. Now, again, in this age of 2022, it's really hard for us to comprehend a servant. And uh, again, 2,000 years ago, the the slave-servant situation was a lot different. I am not uh, condoning any of that. 1 Timothy chapter 1 speaks very harshly against men-stealers about where you'd go to another nation, capture someone, bring them back, and make them a slave. that, That is a sin. But the only way I can make this kind of work in my mind is I would like for you to consider a case of such where back when America was first being founded, there were people coming over from Europe to settle here and look for greener pastures. And at that particular time, uh, the fare to come to America was very, very expensive. So what happened is, is a young man, like let's say Brother James, he was there and uh, he, was, uh, he wasn't coming from, let's say, Ireland or Italy or someplace like that. And, and the, the particular is landlocked and all the farm went to the oldest brother. And he, being a younger brother, went out to search and look for his prosperity on his own. But he didn't have enough money to buy the fare. So he would find a rich fellow that would say, Okay, James, I'll pay your passage to America, but you must work for me for two years. And that would be an indentured servant. I'm guessing it's something similar to this kind of situation. So what happened was Onesimus was a servant of this man named Philemon. And in the example I just made up with Brother James, let's pretend James got sick and tired of working for this guy after a year, and he just took off. Okay? And he still owed him a year. So that's kind of the situation I'm reading into this. So what's going to happen is, Paul is going to be in Rome, and he's going to be preaching, and he's going to be ministering, and he happens upon this runaway slave that used to be servant to Philemon, and while he's in Rome, Onesimus gets converted. And all of a sudden, he becomes uh, submissive to the gospel and claims Jesus Christ as the Savior. And we go, praise the Lord. And then what happens is, is Paul sends... Onesimus, he says, Onesimus, you got to go home and work that last year. Okay? And he says, but I want you to take this letter with you and give it to your master because he's going to be mad as a hornet at you. Okay? 
So basically, that's the background of this chapter. So let's go and let's begin with the, the salutation. Okay, so let me read the first two verses. <clears throat> okay, okay, hold on. I want to do one more thing. Now slow down because I'm real excited about this message. I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you. I'm going to tell it to you. And then when I'm done, I'm going to tell you what I told you, right? So I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you. Paul is going, from about verse 8 to verse 21, he's going to give them 14 reasons why I should take this man back. To me, he left out the most powerful reason. There's a 15th out there, which is the most powerful one. And the whole time I'm reading this, I'm scratching my head, and I says, Paul, why don't you use number 15? Number 15 should really be number one. Why didn't you use this one? Okay, so do I have your interest? Well, if you got the title of this message, Why is Forgiving So Hard? This is a message between an employee and employer. It's a message between a husband and wife, a parent and a child, a brother in the church and a brother in the church. I mean, this applies to everything, okay? Why is forgiving so hard? Okay, so here we are, and Paul is going to give this letter to Onesimus, the runaway slave, and he's going to tell him to go back home, and whatever he owes how much is left on his contract, he wants them to work it off. So here we are. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Basically, this is his salutation. And he says, this is from myself, Paul. By the way, as I write this, I'm in jail. Okay, I'm writing you from jail. Okay. We're going to see in those 14 excuses, he's going to throw everything at him but the kitchen sink. He's going to throw guilt at him. He's going to throw sentimentality at him. He's going to throw loyalty at him. He's even going to guarantee. He's going to throw everything at him except the forgiveness one. And I'm just Paul, why are you doing it that way? Okay. Unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow labor. He's another minister. Okay, now notice who he writes this to. He writes it to Philemon. But he also writes it to Aphia. Anyone know who Aphia is? It's his wife. Okay? And he also writes to Archippus. You know who that is? It's kind of like his co-pastor. Another working elder at the church. So I'm going to write you. I'm going to ask you to take this guy back. And just in case you don't get it, I'm going to tell you, took sick, my, sick your wife on you. In just case that doesn't work, I'm going to make sure your fellow minister knows exactly what I'm asking you to do. And just in case that doesn't work, I'm writing it to the whole church too. Talk a little bit about peer pressure. He's doing, I tell me he's throwing everything at him but the kitchen sink. So this letter is written. It's supposed to be a personal letter, but it doesn't look too personal to me. It's to Philemon, it's to his wife, it's to his fellow labor, and it's to the whole church that meets in his house. Okay, so we got the, got the setting, all right? Let's read the rest of this. This is the accolades. Now he's, this is the butter up, okay? Now, now <laughs> when someone comes to me and they start telling me how good I am, I'm at the back end, I'm thinking, okay, where, where's the bomb coming, right? But this, is, this is the buttering up. He's, he's going he's gonna to tell them. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. I mean, talking about guilt here. Philemon, I'm praying for you. I'm even in jail and I'm still praying for you. And what I'm praying for, I'm thanking God for your ministry. Okay? I hear of your love and faith, which thou hast toward Jesus Christ and toward all saints, not all saints except Nanesimus. He says, I'm bragging on you, and I'm so thankful of your love towards everybody. Do you see him setting setting the case? Now, now, wives, I'm not giving you any fodder to get your husbands. This this is not what the plan of attack is. Or gentlemen towards your wives. This is just what Paul's, he's just bragging on him. It's really tough to turn someone down that's praying for you. That thy communication, thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Okay? So he's, he's, really, he's really putting them up on the pedestal. You're such a loving guy. Okay? By the way, I got a favor to ask of you. And here it comes. Here comes the 14 reasons. You ready? 14 reasons. I don't want to spend a lot of time on these 14 reasons. I want to spend a lot of time on forgiveness and why it's so hard. Okay? Paul, why did you not use the forgiveness in these 14? I, I I kept on reading this, and I kept on waiting and waiting and waiting, and it never came. Wherefore, though, I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, which is convenient, yet for thy love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also prisoner of Christ. I am not going to play my authority card on you. I'm an apostle and you need to obey me. I'm your father in the ministry. You need to obey me. You're a member of a church that I planted and you need to obey me. He said, I'm not going to play that card. Okay? Now, but remember, I'm this poor old guy in jail. Okay? I'm not going to play that. I'm not going to play the legalistic card. I'm going to play the love card. Got it? I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In other words, he's saying, I've got this guy here. And he's not his biological son. He's his son in Christ. I've ministered unto him. And now I consider my son in Christ. I consider my brother in Christ. And I got a request for this brother in Christ. I was there. I saw him converted. Just like I was there when I preached to you and you got converted, he got converted too. Okay? Verse 11. Which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me. He says, I I admit, I got it. I got it. In the past, he'd done you wrong. He, he did you wrong. But I've been with him since his conversion, and he's been nothing but a blessing to me, and I'm pretty confident he's going to be a nothing but a blessing to you. You know what card he's playing? I think he's playing the greed card, right? I'm going to send you this guy, and he's going to be profitable to you. Okay? Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. In other words, you know what? He's coming back to you. But the only reason he's coming back to you is I told him to. 
He was hundreds of miles away. He was scot-free. He could have escaped if he wanted. But I pulled him, I told him to come back to you. That's why he's coming back, because I told him to. It's not like he ran out of options. He hit the wall. He was totally on the floor, and, and he needs you to help pick him up. That's not the case whatsoever. I told him to go back, and he did. Okay? Whom I have, who, who would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. In other words, man, he was such a blessing to me. And for me to actually send him to you is actually a sacrifice on my part. But I sent him to you anyway. Why? Because it was the right thing to do. Okay? Verse 14. But without thy mind would I do nothing that the benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. He says, now, I'm asking you, Philemon, when you take Onesimus back, I want you to do it willingly. I don't want you to do it because I have to or I'm stuck or you're painting me into a corner. I want you to do it with the right attitude. I want you to do it because you want to do the right thing. Okay? Well, those are seven reasons. Let's go to the other seven. They're in 15 through 21. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. You know what he's saying right here? He says he's done, gone through a change, and I guarantee you that change is permanent. It's going to stick. This, this is not a flyby thing where he'll flake out again. This thing's going to stick. He's a changed person. Verse 16. Now, <clears throat> not now as a servant, above a servant, a brother beloved especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in flesh and in the Lord. He says, don't take this kid back as a servant or as an employee. Take him back as a brother in Christ. That's what you're going to gain. You're not going to gain a servant. You're going to gain back a brother in Christ. And that, that's cool. I know that's not King James language, but it's cool, right? It's just cool. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee ought, put that on my account. He says, anything he owes you? He says, I'll pay it. Kind of like, sounds like the Good Samaritan, right? Past, present, future. He says, anything, I mean, any expenses that come up future, I'll cover it. I'll cover it. I, Paul, have written it in my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say that the how thou owest me. In other words, I'll pay all his debts. But you know what? There's a big debt you owe me. And I says, I haven't brought that up before. And I'm not going to bring it up again. But Paul, you just brought it up, right? Yeah? <laughs> See? Okay. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Philemon, I'm this old guy. My days are about done. I'm stuck here in a prison. There's not a whole lot of things that bring me joy nowadays. And he says, come on, just, just grant me this one thing. That'll make me so happy. Right? Talking about heaping coals on him, right? Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. You know, Philemon, I've got so much confidence. Not only am I confident you'll do what I ask, you'll do more than what I ask. Look at that. Isn't that something? Okay. But as I read this, I'm asking, if this man is a man of the gospel, it seems like the number one argument 
should have been to forgive as you've been forgiven. Amen? Christ forgave you. So how can you turn around and not forgive someone else? But he never said that. And I find it curious that he never said it in this letter. But you know what's really interesting? It is just all through the book of Colossians. He never said it in the personal letter that was written to his wife, his co-pastor, and the congregation. But it's loaded in the epistle to the Colossians from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 4. So I'm thinking, what is it about Onesimus that he couldn't tell him straight out, forgive as you've been forgiven? Was he a legalist? Was it too hard for him to accept that? Was it on a personal note that would be the pride and he was going to try to tackle the pride first in the personal letter and then take care of the rest over there and let him try to preach it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it turned out. I don't know how Philemon responded to this letter. I don't know how he preached. I don't know what the congregation did. I I don't know. I kind of suspect I could guess, but I'm not sure. But here's, here's the situation. But the thing is, is I'm not here to point fingers at Philemon. I'm here to hold up a mirror and look at ourselves in the mirror. When does this come to us? Okay? Okay. So here's the punches thrown by Paul. He threw duty at him, sentimentality, kinship, profitableness, obligation, selfishness, benefit, permanence, empathy, loyalty, guarantee, guilt, sympathy, and obedience. Motive forgiveness. He didn't throw that one at him. That's the, that's the punch that you didn't throw at him. Okay, I want to play a little game with you. Okay, it's called Guess the Context. Okay. Yeah, the teacher's coming in me, I know, I know. But it's amazing how many passages this year, this year, in the last, since last June, have come out to me. These are bread and butter verses we read that were taken totally out of context. Okay, here's the first one. We just did this one about a month or two ago. Isaiah 55. Have you ever heard this one? I mean, any old, any church goer worth her salt that believes in anything on the sovereignty of God knows this one by heart, right? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How do we use that? We use that talking about life and death and sickness, and cancer, and healing, and how I met my wife, and all these crazy details that come together, and we see this miraculous result. That's how we use it. Who can quote verse 7? What do you think verse 7 is talking about? I'll give you a hint. What was the title of this message? Right? Let the wicked forsake his ways and unrighteousness his thoughts. Let a man return unto the Lord. He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. It's talking about forgiveness. When it says his ways are above my ways, he's talking about forgiveness. He forgives unlike we forgive. Are those other things about a sovereignty true? Yes, but you can't use this verse to prove it. This verse is talking about his forgiveness. How can we read this passage and quote it so much and totally ignore seven? Because forgiving is hard for us. Amen? Okay. Let's go to the next one. This is something we came to a little while earlier. This is the Lord's Prayer. 
We all know the Lord's Prayer. We've been reciting, we've been reciting it since we were little kids, right? Did you know the Lord put an appendix at the end of the Lord's Prayer? So here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy... We know that, right? And when he was done giving this, he said, For thy kingdom and thy power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he put two verses. Can anyone guess what the two verses, the appendix on the end of the Lord's Prayer is? Again, I'll give you another hint. What's the title of this message? There it is. But if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. See, Jesus Christ knew in that prayer there's about 13 things. And he knew the one thing you would choke on was the forgiving your neighbor. And I make this joke every time I make this point. Have you ever seen, heard anyone sing the Lord's Prayer? Oh, it's so holy. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. That's how it goes, right? It's like those words, forgive. It's like we can't say it fast enough to get over it to get to the words we want to get real holy with. Why do we do that? Because forgiveness is hard for us. And if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will they forgive you. These are standard verses that Christians know. Let's go to another one we did last summer. Matthew 18. Remember Matthew 18? This is the church discipline passage, right? Really? Okay. If you have offense with a brother, you go to him. If he ignores you, you bring a couple more brothers. If he ignores those, you bring the whole church. And, and that's how you get person, a person out of the church. Well, who knows what verse 14 is talking about? It's talking about forgiveness. Yeah, you're getting the pattern, right? It's, getting, it's forgiveness. Let's put it down there. Even so, it is not your Father's will which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. 10 through 12 is talking about forgiveness. 1 through 11 is talking about forgiveness. What happens if you go after this? 18 through 37 is talking about forgiveness. There's a whole chapter talking about forgiveness. And right here in the middle, we got these three verses, and that's church discipline. Really? It's not church discipline. It's church restoration. That's what it's for. These passages we use as bread and butter, they're about forgiveness, but we don't like that because it's hard for us, right? And then finally, Luke 15. Everybody knows Luke 15, 11 through the end of the chapter. I think it goes to verse 32. We call this the parable of the prodigal son. It's not the parable of the prodigal son. It should be called the parable of the unforgiving son. This is a parable about the older brother. Don't you know when this chapter starts, Jesus Christ is sitting at a picnic table with a bunch of sinners, and the Pharisees come along and says, what are you eating with those people for? And he tells them three stories, not one story. He tells them about finding a sheep that was lost and everybody rejoicing. He's talking about a coin being lost and everybody rejoicing, and he's talking about a little brother being lost and everybody rejoicing. That's what the lesson is. Why do we call it the prodigal parable of the prodigal son? Because forgiving is so hard for us. I don't think the little son is the main message. It's the older brother that's the main message if you read the context of the whole chapter. Why is that so hard for us? Because we're sinners. So Isaiah 55 is really about forgiveness. Matthew 6 is really about forgiveness. Matthew 18 is about restoration. And Luke 15 is about reconciliation. 
Amen? Okay. I told you, if I can't get you with quality preaching, I'm going to get you with a quantity of verses. Okay? Okay. Paul did throw the forgiveness punch. He did not throw it in the personal letter, but he saved it for the corporate letter. Okay? I want you to read this verse with me. <clears throat> this is Colossians 1.21. And you... Now, he's writing to the church at Colossae, which includes Philemon, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now hath he reconciled. Jesus Christ reconciled you to Christ. You were a mess, and Jesus took you in. Verse, chapter 2, verse 13. And you, that includes Philemon, you were dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, and he hath quickened you together by forgiving all your trespasses. That includes Philemon. 3.13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So you know how Jesus forgave you? That's how you're supposed to forgive one another. And that's why you need to take Onesimus back. Amen? But here's the coup de grace. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, remember he taught. There's that old practical series. He's talking about husbands. He's talking about wives. He's talking to fathers. He's talking to employees. He's talking to employers. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Onesimus, you're a master. You've got this guy named Onesimus, and I want you to treat him just like God treats you. Oh man, I can't do that. Right? I can try. It's, it's all, I want to be the husband. Jesus Christ was the church. Can I be that? No, but I want to try. Amen? And here it is, a couple decades later, and I'm still trying. But I hope I'm a little bit better than what I was after a couple years than I am after a couple decades. Okay? All right. Here's the rest of Philemon. But with all, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. <clears throat> he says, not only that, Philemon, I want you to pray for me. Therefore, salute Epaphras, and he names off a bunch of other ministers. And I find it real interesting, and I've got all that in the notes. You can check that later on. But all these notes have some pretty interesting pasts. Epaphras was a very faithful man that prayed a lot for saints. Marcus was, uh, I believe, the Mark that wrote the gospel that also bailed on the Apostle Paul when he was out. Barnabas talked to him into forgiving him and letting him come back and preach again. Oh, there's, there's sermons in all these. Demas was a meth. He ended up splitting off. And he was cursed. Lucas, I believe, is Luke, the one who wrote Acts and the gospel of Luke. There's, there's interesting stories in all this. And he names all these people. And then he gives his signature close. I want to do one more thing. I want to do one more thing. <clears throat> I want to look at everything that Paul did, because basically Paul approached Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And I want you to see the parallels to what Jesus did when Jesus approached God on behalf of you. Okay? The parallels are too strong to miss. Got it? So we can see it in a practical way what Paul did for Onesimus to his master what Jesus Christ did for you to our master, okay? Number one, he interceded. 
Paul wrote to Philemon, Jesus spoke to God. Redemption. Paul offered money. Jesus offered something more precious than money. He offered his blood. He made reconciliation. Paul tried his best to remove barriers. Jesus removed and tore down the curtain. Atonement. Remember atonement is a compound word? Atone, at one. Kind of like reconciliation. Paul did so. So hopefully Onesimus would get. Jesus did so because of what he gave. Substitution. Paul said, do it for me. Jesus said, do it unto me. Right? Forgiveness. Paul said, let this one little thing go. Jesus said, let everything go. And then finally, adoption. He's become my son. Paul said, he's become my son. Jesus said, these are all my brothers. Isn't that a good, good news? Amen. So that being said, let's go and ask the question, why is forgiveness so hard? Why, when we sing the Lord's Prayer, do we try to race through those words? Why did Jesus Christ, when he gave us the model prayer, he says, yeah, there's one thing you're going to skip over. Let me double back and make sure you get that one part, and that's the forgiveness part. Why is it so hard? Why are there so many parables on forgiveness? Because Jesus knew it would be hard for us. Amen? So preaching it is the easy part. Sitting there hearing it is a little bit harder, but not too bad. The hard part comes now Sunday through Saturday when you've got to go put it in your shoe leather. And I pray you do it in all your relationships for um, maybe a, a clerk that's acting like an airhead, okay? Or an employee that did a job wrong. Or maybe a student that took advantage of you. Or maybe a co-student, fellow classmate that said something about you that wasn't true. Or maybe it was a spouse who had the dastardly deed of leaving the cap off the toothpaste tube, right? You can fill in the blank with just about anything, amen? amen. Yeah. A child that leaves your car on empty and the radio blasting loud, right? Can you forgive that? We, we can fill in all those things, Amen. God knew those things would be hard for us. And all we have to do is look in the mirror and say, oh, look, look, look what a mess I am. That's what the Lord did for us. So if he did it for us, ought, we ought not to do it for one another. And I pray the answers are resounding yes. May the Lord bless you. Amen.